to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview an amazing pianist and composer originally from Cuba, Fabian Amazon. How you doing today, man? I'm good. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming. I appreciate it a lot. So could you please tell the people who you are and about yourself? Sure. My name is uh, Fabian Almazan. I was born in Havana, Cuba. I've lived in New York since 2003. Um, And yeah, I'm a composer, pianist, uh, record label owner, a bunch of different things. Uh, When did you move up here from Cuba? Uh, well, we left Cuba in uh, 1993, I think. I, I was uh, nine years old. Um, we went to Mexico first, so we lived there. We crossed the border from um, from uh, Mexico into Texas. So we, we lived in Mexico for six months. Uh, then uh, spent uh, my youth in Miami uh, till I was 18, Um I left for California, where I studied at the Brubeck Institute uh, for for one year, and then in 2003, moved to New York. Okay. Uh, what stands out the most from your childhood of Cuba? Let's start there, and then we'll go over to everything else. Um, well, just to be blunt, uh, not any racism that I can remember. Um, I remember when I was 10... And I mean, you know, it might have something to do with the fact that I was a child, but I, when we got to Miami, uh, it was a completely, completely foreign thing to me, the whole uh, concept of racism, because I just, I never experienced it uh, in Cuba. So um, I, I feel like that's, that was the most striking difference, uh, just the different cultures between the, the two countries as far as race is concerned. Okay. Uh, so how did you get into the piano? Uh, well, that was pretty simple. I have an older sister. She's four and a half years older than me. And uh, when I was a kid, anything she did, I wanted to do. So she started taking lessons. And then soon thereafter, I demanded that I take lessons. Um, we took lessons with uh, an older woman. Her name was Cuckoo. She lived around the corner. She was in her 90s. Um, and so, yeah, I started playing, my sister stopped, and I, I kept going. And it just felt like something that I, I need in my life. It's, it just feels like medicine for me. I can't really not be with it. Not be without it. Sorry. Understood, understood, understood. <laughs> so when did you move from Miami to New York? Uh, well, how I mentioned earlier, I went to California first. So uh, when I graduated high school in 2002, I went from there to Stockton, California. And then the following year in 2003 is when I came to New York and I lived in the Bronx for the first two years. And how was that versus California, Uh, Miami, and Cuba? Very different. (laughs) Um, Yeah, when I I moved to the Bronx, uh, I lived on Kingsbridge and it was different back then than it is now. Uh, I used to take the BX9 down Marble Hill to take the one train to Manhattan School of Music. And about two weeks into that, uh, one morning I, I went to the <clears throat> to the bus stop, and there was a dead body covered uh, with one of those white blankets. Um, 
So that just gives you an idea of what it was like back then. Yeah. Uh, but it but it was very very real. Um, I felt it was kind of a shock because uh, after those first two years, I moved to Morningside Heights, which is the Columbia University era um, area, and it just felt extremely different. It felt like in New York. I'm sorry, in the Bronx, people told you the truth. Like it didn't matter if it hurt your feelings or anything. Like people were very direct. And then around Columbia, it's just it was hard to decipher who was saying saying what because I just got so accustomed to that bluntness in the Bronx. Okay. So you being a musician that experienced the academic end of your world, what have you learned from both of them? Um, well, to me, it's kind of like uh, there's an analogy to the art world, the visual art, arts world. Um, I, I think there's a need for both uh, galleries and museums. Uh, the museums really are a treasure chest of history and culture. And the gallery is where all of the new um, artists are are experimenting and, and showing what they're you know, their, their point of view of the world is. Um, so I feel like school is the museum. Uh, that's where you go to appreciate the culture, the history of it, um, the architecture of music. Um, and I took full advantage of that when I was at Manhattan School of Music. I, I was always in the library. I took uh, orchestration classes. I approached the classical department, um, particularly a teacher called Giampaolo Bracali who sadly uh, passed away in 2006, I believe. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I just, I just tried to learn as much as I could. I tried to go as many, to as many orchestral concerts as I could when I was there. And then uh, the streets, uh, it's just the real world. That's where you kind of jump into the lion's den and you should survive. Um, so what did you experience? I mean, what did you expect, I should say? coming out of there versus how it really is you, you mean school or no no the real music world oh um i mean i expected it to be what it is that you know it's it just uh you have to be very prepared uh, you have to love what you do you have to care about it and respect it otherwise uh new york is not the place for you um everybody that i know here that's a musician is extremely passionate about what they do. Um, and there's just a level of attention towards the detail and the nuance of, of the art form that uh, it's both um, completely inspiring and intimidating at times. And psychologically, you just have to be at peace with that. Um, yeah, the, that's, that's pretty much what I think it is. I think, something about New York that I really um, appreciate is the fact that there are many different schools of thought and that for the most part, everybody respects each other and, you know, people do what they like and everybody's uh, peaceful about it, which is great. Okay. So what advice would you give somebody going into music right now? Um, probably the same thing that I would tell uh, at, at any point. Um, it's just follow your bliss. Uh, I'm a big fan of Joseph Campbell. And, you know, as as nuanced as the reality of modern day life is, I think at, at its core, 
for someone to be a musician, they just have to find that it brings them some sort of bliss, you know, and, and whatever that bliss is, if it resonates with, with a musician, they just have to follow that and let it guide them. I know it's a very kind of hippie response to give, but I really oh. do believe that at its core, without that, there's no point. No, no, I respect your answer. It's what you think, not what I think or what anybody yeah. else thinks. So yeah. what is something people seem to misunderstand about the music world? Nothing. <laughs> I, um, I really believe that um, sound is such an abstract thing that I wouldn't impose any specific sound on anyone. Um, whatever resonates with someone, you know, whether it be Justin Bieber or whatever, if it really makes you happy, I'm not going to stand in the way of, of somebody finding joy from sound. Um, as much as I love the music that I love, uh, you know, I'm not going to impose it on anyone. It's very special to me, but everybody's entitled to have whatever is special to them feel it's just as valid, you know? Yeah, I get you. So what is something you've noticed about the music scene recently? Uh, I mean, <laughs> no clubs are open right now. There's nothing uh, going on because of the coronavirus. So um, a lot of musicians are just trying to figure out how to keep going. Um, uh, right before uh, getting on the phone with you, uh, I was recording for a good friend of mine, Ike Sturm. Um, he's just putting together some music where everybody's recording at their own uh, home studios and then putting it together. Uh, I, I think that's going on all over the place. We're just trying to get, wrap our heads around the whole technical aspect of making music uh, using the internet and technology. That, that's, that to me is going on everywhere right now. And it's, it's both um, endearing, uh, entertaining at times, but it also is a little sad because there are older musicians who really have no idea how, how to get around the internet. And so that, that's where we really have to help each other. Um, yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of challenges right now dealing with the uh, COVID-19 and, and how musicians that are usually just completely focused on the craft of playing their instrument or composing are now faced with technology and how, how they can quickly learn um, how to get around and evolve. So how do you think this is going to affect the music world going forward? Um, it's hard to tell, but if we look at history, anytime there's been a major event like this, um, it brings people together. Um, we There's a certain amount of empathy that can find a home in the arts. Um, so I'm, I mean, I was joking with my wife, uh, Linda Mahan O. Oh, as soon as we went into quarantine, I, should tol I told her, like, just start the, the clock to see when the first social media post of quarantine blues is going to be. Um, and it, it took about 20 minutes and it was already there. 20 minutes. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I, I think, um, composers will compose and I, I very much look forward to hearing what music comes out of it. And I think uh, society in general is very receptive to it right now because we all 
are in this together, we all are experiencing the same things throughout the world. Okay. So assuming that this passes over and everything goes back to normal, whatever normal was considered, mm-hmm. where do you think jazz will be in 10 years? I don't know. And I kind of like not knowing. Um, I have no idea. <laughs> okay. But well, why do you feel so comfortable not caring or being, or being willing to jump into the blind spots, I should say? I mean, it's not that I don't care. Um, I do love the music very much and I will continue to make it and hope that other people like it. But how I mentioned earlier, I, I think that, um, art is medicine and different people need different medicine. I am, I mean, I would be saddened, um, if less and less people listen to what we call jazz is, uh, over time, but I would still be in love with the music and I would continue to make it. Um, so, you know, I, I think some people don't like hearing that sort of a approach and they kind of feel like I'm not taking initiative or being active about defending it or, or doing, you know, conservation of, of jazz. Um, but again, I really feel like as long as everybody just kind of follows their bliss, um, art evolves. Art is not intended to be uh, static. You know, I as long as there's music, I don't care what we call it, um, I'll be happy. Okay, that is fair. Now, one thing I do acknowledge about you is that you are probably one of the more active sidemen musicians in New York City, if not probably the world. You are always seem to be in demand. Now, is that due more towards your instrument because you play a popular instrument that is needed a lot? Or do you think it's just because of the talent level? And how has that affected you and your colleagues? I mean, I, I don't know. I guess you'd have to ask the people that, that hire me. Um, I, I I love playing other people's music just because uh, I'm fascinated by music and how it's all put together. So I have files and files, uh, both physically and on my computer, of, of everyone's music that I, I go back to and I analyze it and I really try to put it under the microscope to understand um, you know, what is that essential ingredient, um, that they're, that they're adding to the, to the art form. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not someone that has ever sought out other musicians to be hired. Um, I, I kind of just ended up doing what I do because I love music. Um, I have a lot of peers that have been very, um, proactive about finding work and, and, they have goals as to, you know, exactly who they want to be hired with. I've I've never been like that I, to this day. I'm not like that. Um, I kind of just follow whatever path I'm interested in at the moment. And um, luckily, there have been musicians that have been interested in in making music with me as a part of it, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, how I said earlier, I really enjoy the challenge, um, that it brings to learn different people's music 
and just try to get under their skin and learn their aesthetic. So who, who, what's one artist recently who you worked with that you were impressed with? Um, well, my wife, <laughs> every time uh, I work with Linda Mehan O oh and, uh, I mean, not to sound cheesy, but uh, every day, um, astounded by by her level of commitment to the music and how much she cares about it how how fearless she is um yeah i'd have to say linda mehan oh and i probably would say that even if i weren't married to her i've been a huge fan of hers my whole ever since i met her i'm a big fan of her work too and she is Another monster on the base. I got to give her credit for that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, would you talk them out of being a musician? No. I like the answer. I like the confidence. <laughs> now, can you, why? Because it's beautiful. It's, uh, it's medicine. Why? Uh, yeah. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell any 18-year-old what to do other than just follow their, their dreams or whatever it is that makes them happy. Okay. So, next question for you, sir. If you could remove all the barriers and constraints, what type of project would you work on and who would you want on it? I've always been interested in nature, so I, I've i always wanted to collaborate with, um, I forget what the technical term is, but there are biologists that study bioacoustics, which is when you go into an environment like a forest or something, and you set up different microphones. Uh, and it's kind of like taking a census of the population of, of birds or any sort of uh, amphibians or mammals that make certain sounds. I've always wanted to do something dealing with that. Um, so a wildlife acoustic album? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a program at Cornell University that I've been very interested in for a while that they have a whole department that's dedicated just to bioacoustics. Um, so I, I would love to throw together an orchestra and, and collaborate with a scientist that specializes in that to, to see what comes out of it. That is the most unique answer I must say ever was given. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Any type of feel you would like with it? Because you got me more interested in it. Any type of what? Feel. Like, would it be more of a modern swing feel? Would it be a low-vibe feel? Would it be a... Uh, I mean, I guess it all depends on the the field recordings that are captured. Um, but I, I've always really wanted to combine the orchestra with, you know, the sort of quote-unquote jazz tradition as well. So I, I'd love to incorporate an orchestra into it. Okay. I mean, you said, you know, remove barriers. and No, I love the answer. I'm thinking big, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, what's the best compliment you have ever received? Uh, well, uh, it wasn't so much in words. It was more uh, just, uh, as corny as it sounds, a smile. Uh, the first time that I played at the Village Vanguard, um, I had worked really hard on the music. It was the first time that I was ever performing with a string quartet and a singer. And I had written the lyrics uh, for Camila Mesa, who was the singer. And I remember in the very front of the audience, there was a, a kid. He must have been, I don't know, 12 or something. 
And he's just had the biggest smile on his face. And that to me was the best compliment I could ever get. You know, it's just to, to be able to um, provide something oral for uh, a kid like that to, to enjoy the music and, you know, carry that feeling with him going into his uh, adult life and hopefully spreading that love for music that I have, that, that to me was the biggest compliment ever. Okay. Nice. So, Fabi, before we go, we normally like to give a shout-out or show respects to artists who came before us. I'm going to mm -hmm. tell you an instrument and two artists. Choose one, and if you wish, tell us why. Okay? Okay. On trumpet, Clifford Brown or Chef Baker? Clifford Brown. <laughs> he just has, uh, I mean, nothing against uh, Baker, but uh, Clifford Brown, just such a, um, I don't know, an indescribable thing. It, it's just a, th a vibe. I don't know what it is, but it's, I want some of it. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. On saxophone, I give you a harder one. Charlie Parker or John Coltrane? Uh that is a that is a harder one. Um, that's a very hard one. Um, man, I if it if I can only choose one of the two, I guess just because I know Ravi already, I have to go with Charlie Parker. Um, just because Charlie Parker, I mean, that's the. I think Coltrane would have wanted to spend some time with Charlie Parker too. And you, you know, it's always as a teacher, I always tell students to go to the source. So yeah, I'd have to go with Charlie Parker. Okay. On base, Ray Brown or Stanley Clark? Ray Brown. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's no one like Ray Brown. That's fair. Okay. On drums, Joe Jones or Buddy Rich? Joe Jones. I'm going to ask you why. I mean, <laughs> Buddy Rich uh, does not have the best reputation <laughs> as far as a human being. Um, that, that's why. I mean, no, nothing against his no, drum. No, that is for drumming. Yeah. Huge Buddy Rich fan. Yes, I heard the stories. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and on piano, Duke Ellington or Bill Evans? Duke. Yeah. Yeah, Duke. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I just leave it like that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, could you tell the people where to find you, how to contact you, etc.? Uh, sure. Well, I have my website, which is just my name, uh, FabianAmazon.com. And also, I, I started a label that I, I'm very proud of. It's called Biophilia Records. Um, my last couple albums I've put out on Biophilia Records, and you can go there. To learn more about more about it, it's uh, biophiliarecords.com. And you have your music on Twitter, or I mean on Spotify, Title, yeah. Apple Music. Yeah, yeah, all the major online streaming services. Okay, no problem, sir. Well, thank you for joining us. It means a lot. Thank, thank you. Yeah. And everyone, this is Leander Young from Improv Exchange. Thank you. Have a good day. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. 
Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange.